Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, we bring you the Dewing Grain market report, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's market report. Welcome to the market report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decisions to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 3rd of August 2020, the middle of harvest. Here we go. Everybody's at it. As I record this, it is about 30 degrees and it's early morning on Friday or mid-morning and we've got wheat coming straight off the combine and it's dry and it's good kilo weight and uh, everybody's happy he pretended yeah so let's let's start with barley the winter barley crop is done we've moved it it's it's all in there we've got our feed barley boat loading as we speak so everything is is effectively that we've contracted has been moved no great inclination to do anything else on that. It, it It is what it is, and most people who were going to keep it at home and store it have put it away nicely in good condition. So that's that one put to bed. We're now starting on, obviously, we've mentioned wheat is going, but there's one or two samples of spring barley coming as well. Now, normally we have spring barley in ahead of wheat, as you all know, but this year the, the spring barley is um, has got its younger generation growing at the same time, so there's first and second tillers that are coming through and 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 green grain which we mentioned last week in in abundance we have seen some samples of what i can only describe as beautiful barley we had um one of our one of our favorite growers patrick allen brought his sample of concerto in and it was perfect it was absolutely magnificent uh, 1.42 nitrogen 0.6% screenings just the best uh, we'll have a backbone of that that quality coming into our stores as usual which is great there are some crops that were irrigated around that have started coming in as well so it's kind of got more even um i mean in in in, in patrick's case it's grown in uh, you know in, in a village where there's plenty of available moisture um but there's there's people who've been irrigating some of their spring barley we haven't got the second growth in there and again, we've got some very low nitrogen, very bold, very nice, lovely-looking barleys. So we're, we're, we're very chuffed with them. It's just we've also now started to see some samples come from the lighter land and some of the areas that had difficulty with the, with the winter barley. Now, we're hoping that there's less of a, of a failure rate, if you like, from there because uh, some people have had a pretty grim harvest so far. We're very conscious of that. Um, so although the barley looks good in in the context of it's bold um, and it's reasonably good looking it is just too high in nitrogen so fingers crossed these are very early samples and when we get into the main thrust of it and and the depending on the on the the uh, drilling date and the fact that some of it is particularly green anywhere across the board hopefully the main thrust of the crop will be very good quality now there is a very very large malting barley crop in the ground as everyone will tell you obviously due to last year's wet winter and autumn uh, this year let's be real about that if if there is good enough barley in this region that predominantly will be will be what supplies the molsters if you're going to drag it from somewhere and the west midlands haven't got many molsters to go to 
the premium is pretty low, or, or in uh, the description of one of my farmers was pathetic, was the word. It's putting people off, off barley growing. It's making them say, well, it needs to be a lot more than that next year because I'm going to grow feed barley or I'm going to grow wheat with the prices where they are. So let's, let's bear that in the back of our mind. It's a, it's a fact. The price this year for malting barley is grim, barely above feed, which is in itself detrimental to anyone wanting to go through that process again. So we have uh, the distance between some of the farms and malters will be greater than the premium you achieve. So it'll go as feed because of the long haul. Scotland looks good. France has had a good crop. Denmark, too early to say. Uh, potentially, it's it, it's going to be rather similar to the north of England and Scotland. Uh, so we do think there is a big spring barley crop. And I know my job is to talk the price down, but I can't see anything in the weather forecast stopping it. Uh, the only good news is my predictions of it being a wet harvest to finish off the miserable year's weather seem to be unproven at this point. So I'm I'm delighted to have sort of tempted fate dared to call it and it's gone the opposite way so it's going to be an easier time for farmers uh, it looks like a fairly clean run which disproves the uh, St Swithin's theory well while I'm on the subject of malting barley 2021 I uh, mentioned a moment ago that the premium should be higher to tempt people to grow it I think it's got to be in the region of well, it's got to be at least £30 premium to feed barley uh, because a 9 tonne hectare crop of feed barley versus a 7 tonne hectare crop of malting barley dictates that that, that is, you need that much more money to, to, to justify the, the effort. So by the time you've got those two, is literally two tonnes at £30 a tonne is about it. So I reckon you, you're going to need to see uh, winter malting barley or malting barley prices for next year in the 150s. 150x something like that in order to get people to get out of bed for it that's my view i could well be proven wrong just to finish off off barley uh feed barley still trading 120x going to boats lots of people shipping it at this point doesn't seem to want to move up in price seems happy trading there the carry through to november's probably come back a bit so a rough estimate for nov is about 27 um that's not bad. It's, 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 if you've got the storage, it's paying you £7 for it sitting there for, th- for three months. That's kind of okay, isn't it? It's, it uh, if you can't be bothered to, um, to do the work now and you can shove it in a shed and leave it there, then, then I think it's safely not going to go down in value any further. So feed barley's kind of safe at the moment. It can't go any lower. And looking ahead, holding it, I don't see as the season goes on, I think there'll be more competition from around the world as the year goes on. So, you know, maybe... Maybe look to vlog that this autumn to get the best best return out of it. Moving on to feed wheat. Um, spot feed wheat for movement next week has been trading at a premium as nobody was prepared to let their brand new new crop uh, go because they're all trying to get a premium for it because they've been told they're going to get a premium for it. And they, uh, in fact, turned a blind eye to the fact they've been bid more money as a spot feed wheat load than they would have received waiting two months to get a premium over the over the then spot feed wheat price so farmers are kind of sometimes misled by the wonder of wonderful dream of premiums for hard wheat or soft wheat or so on if everyone's going to spend their time trying to achieve premiums um certainly in this area where we're a fairly long way from from mills then i'm afraid it's gonna it's gonna slow up the process and i think you'll probably end up with less money than just getting on with it selling its feed but you know still your farm rep knows best promise you the earth and then run away when there's a when there's a rejection group one milling wheat 
I'm going to talk about um, is in round figures a £30 premium over the futures, which is, you know, it's got to travel a fairly long way. So you might eat into that depending on how far away you are from a mill. Um, but that's fairly hefty. The, pr- the proteins so far are a little bit low, so that could be an issue this season, but a bit early days for us. We don't see that many milling wheat samples, but certainly there are some very good proteins. And people have succeeded, but for no reason at all on, on, on one farm, you, we've got fabulous protein and not so good protein and no explanation as to why the two should be different. And softs, there's a premium for softs as well if you've got the protein level. We've, had, we've heard of soft wheats um, being traded at a £15 premium, only to be rejected because the protein was too low. So um, there goes the premium, good old flour miller. So yeah, back to feed wheat. Well, spot there's there's demand and that's been trading anything as high as um, sixty one, sixty two x farm for immediate immediate movement this uh, tomorrow or the next day. Uh, whereas now that the combines have rolled, that should satisfy all of the immediate dramatic demand. I think that you will still get one hundred and sixty x farm. For the foreseeable future, I can't see farmers selling it. And this is the biggest issue. The underlying market has to have sellers. And I've said this on several occasions. The farmer is cutting stuff that's very dry, really good kilo weight, and they are not letting it go. They're going to say, oh, I'll keep that. That's worth a premium. Or I, there isn't much of it. It, doesn't, it looks less because the kilo weight's in fact very good. So it is weighing very well. So the yields are better than the worst thoughts. You know, our darkest hour has not been realised. It's better than the worst moment. But um, farmers are not going to let that go. And I think that that is going to be a feature of the market for the foreseeable future. Farmers have got capacity to store what they produce and they will be retaining control of that tonnage. So the trade will be chasing it for a long period of time. So prices, if you look at current value of... November, you'd probably make about 161. And bearing in mind you can make 160 for immediate spot, that, that highlights why you're waiting till November. So that's kind of it with, with, with feed wheat. The other thought, new crop, lots of talk about lots of planting. No one's prepared to really commit to selling that much of new crop, even though they're planning to put lots and lots of acres of wheat in the ground. I guess that the, the experience of last year has come home to roost. Let's actually get something drilled before we sell it so, so we don't overcommit. Underlying issues or observations, certainly on heavy land, and I had a conversation this morning with a, a prominent Suffolk farmer who highlighted that um, some of the wheat that was spun on late has actually, you know, it's taken, it's given fantastic cover and it's also reduced black grass dramatically and potentially this is this this probably sounds brave but I, I can see some something in this you know working the ground now working the ground when it gets its first rain or two um as a black grass control having the courage to spin some on in another year later on if you plant it really late um you know, you've seen the black grass off sort of thing. I don't know whether that, that sounds silly or not, but certainly the crops spun on that I looked at had a lot less black grass in it than, than normal. So I don't know, maybe we've invented a new, a new black grass control without using chemicals. Also, the other thing I wanted to mention is it appears, you know, we, we, we've all possibly hinted at not always believing the Chinese in their um, crop assessment and other issues, it appears China are buying quite aggressively 
feed grains. They bought a big lump of wheat a couple of weeks ago, and this week they bought the biggest single purchase of corn from the US. Bearing in mind that they're, they're cutting off diplomatic relations at, at various embassies, it's rather strange that they're doing hefty corn deals. Now, uh, online, allegedly, there was, a, there was a video showing a Chinese state store. They have a, the biggest stocks of corn in the world, according to the USDA. And there was a video of someone going into or, get, or opening up one of these state-owned stores. And the stuff inside was completely rotting and stinking and done with. There was absolutely no use for it whatsoever. Now, if the 100 million tonnes of corn or whatever they say they've got in stock is in that condition or isn't actually what they say it is, and the USDA suddenly said actually the world's stocks of corn are that much lower... Uh, that would have a fairly hefty psychological effect to prices. But also, it's clear that China are going to be buying a bit more corn uh, than first anticipated. So when that figure comes into the USDA report, which is in a week or so's time, that could well be a, a bullish moment. So I, I think underlyingly, that is actually a, a, a point. And... and yeah, that, and that, that could be support for this market for the key players. There's, it's, there's clearly been a drought in the key uh, northeast region of China where they produce a lot of their corn. Uh, the other thing is you've got currency has been, um, the, the dollar has been particularly weak on the basis of coronavirus. Europe itself is also going up in coronavirus uh, figures. So if you've had a weak dollar on the back of them having a terrible time with coronavirus, their figures can't get any worse. Uh, if Europe starts to resurge with it, will that undermine the euro? Will it undermine the pound? So that could help our prices or support prices also. Uh, and finally, just to you know, whip you into a bullish frenzy of craziness, um, have a look at your, your temperatures uh, across parts of Europe. 47 degrees while the French corn crop is pollinating uh, is rather, rather warm and it doesn't like it uh, in those conditions. So that could be an issue going on from here. Uh, it depends how the weather moves on because it is very hot. Uh, I'm now going to get Ian Webster to give you the rape market. Uh, so just hold your breath. Here he comes. Right, Ian, what's happening on the rape market? Um, before we start, probably, it's probably a good time to crack open the beer. I know it's not here, but I'd... Yeah. Kind of, we need some mild relief after the rapeseed harvest because it's not not been a lot of fun. I, I, I'm seeing a complete mixed bag. You know, the the yields have ranged from sub one ton a hectare up to we had someone jumping for joy, sort of uh, almost won the lottery at five tons a hectare. They they are I can count those on one hand, but I'd say as an average from our north Norfolk cropping, we're probably seeing three and a quarter maybe, which for us is really disappointing. We'd like to see four. Probably some of the larger areas have copped it worse because I think their risk profiles are are, um, are greater. You know, lots of people have had the good four-ton crop, but then just from the number of fields, there there will be some howlers that will drag it down. But no, we we were at the final throws. I'd probably say we are probably 80% done. I think maybe nationally, maybe... Someone is suggesting maybe 60% only. Surely it must be more than that now, actually, isn't it? In this area, yesterday, I, today, they must We be. haven't got loads to tidy up. I think the stores will be done by Monday, yeah. Tuesday next week. Cool. Um, I think the numbers, people, uh, or the suggestion is maybe, is it a million tonne crop? Question marks over what the average will be. I wouldn't be shocked if nationally it comes in at two and a half, but then that would be probably fighting the trend. Um 
but a million tons probably means five, six hundred thousand imports. So it's a, it's, it is a really tight market. There's a very strong farmer attention going on, which I get. Um, but then these are quite good values. So you're making three thirty for your crop coming in, ten percent's worth of bonus. You're making three sixty, three seventy, which if your yields aren't far off, you know that's a good price. That's a good price. Yeah, put some money in the bank. Yeah. Flea beetle, you know, we've all been played with that, and it has been miserable. I do think Rapesy's unfairly been kicked by flea beetle, or kicked into touch, and it's not just flea beetle damage. I think the climatic conditions this year that we've seen, you know, we've seen miseries and winter barleys, there, there is yield loss down to the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think lots of people, three, four weeks ago, Rapeseed was solidly going to get kicked in touch for this autumn drilling campaign, but I actually now feel that there's a bit more optimism out there. I think people will give it another another crack. Well, people have got the stuff in the ground already. It's been there for two weeks. Yeah. Um, which is trying to beat the cycle of the flea beetle. And it's, uh... Yeah, I've got a very mixed train of thought on that. So several have said, and there was a grower that I've been referenced in, um, I think it was Lincolnshire, trialled lots of different methods and his best rapeseed was the late drilled first week of September drilled and it got away it struggled with the um, autumn beetle but it was much better when it was combating the larvae in the stem so when do when do the when does the beetle disappear so if it does it like die out you know it's slowly it's it's at its most active in the August period the 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 as you just said, there's lots, there's huge areas that have already gone in. You know, people drilling rapes in July. I've never heard of that really historically. What about, what about taking your chances and saying Indian Indian summer, you know, late well, October? But, but, well, the thing for me at the moment is with these water, um, so with, the, with the rains. Say, I can say these things. I don't have to do it. Do <laughs> no, with, with these recent rains, I understand why people have done it. Recent rains, good soil temperatures, get it up and away get a crop maybe it's going to be too forward and you'll have a hell of a canopy yeah um which maybe isn't what people but there was vast areas was there ninety hundred thousand of failed um crops this year that didn't get mm. out of the autumn so people would like to see coming into winter a crop rather no crop i don't, I don't think the area is going to my my sort of crude fag packet assessment was that the area is going to be dropped 20 percent an agronomist famously spluttered at that and said it would be more like 50%. Mm. I'm probably closer to my... Uh, Original thought. Yeah. The other thing that's a bit uh, unnerving is the winter bean crop, which, yeah, I mean, it's... God knows how people What's are going to harvest some of that. that one. How oh, awful, yeah. Just uh, the only thing to add as well is is the mill area. There's um, not that I've been down there, so it's not first-hand eyewitness, but apparently there's a hell of a lot of scaffold up there and uh, work is taking place. Okay. So you wouldn't... I don't a think paint you'd... job? A paint job. <laughs> uh, so I, I, it's like with everything, you know, building projects, no one really wants to comment saying we're going to be open by the, you know, 1st of September. But, you know, I'd... You'd assume that something is um, in the pipeline. So yeah, look forward to that because we need it to be ground up, and uh, you know it's a UK consumer, and we need it to happen. Yeah. Okay. I think it's time to crack open the beer, don't you? Okay. This week we're we're reviewing the beer. There's four of us going to do this. It's 32 degrees outside. 
And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna have an award-winning beer because recently Moongazer, the brewery, have won I don't know what award it was an EDP award. Jumper is their beer, and it's a favourite with all of us. So we're gonna review a beer that we already like. So everybody ready to have a go? I've cheated. Already had a go. <laughs> and Ben? Uh, yeah, no, I've cheated and had a go, and it's really good. I love this beer. Yeah, good, good self-control, Josh. I haven't cheated, so yeah, I'm about to give it. Oh, here we go. Probably my first ever sip of it, to be fair. Josh never cheats. No. So, Esco's a family trait. This isn't the um, the second time I've had this, because this was kindly... This is probably a bit of a plug for our competitors, but uh, a barrel of this was put on at the Norfolk dinner. And it was put on by... Adams and Harling. Or or Bannams. Bannams. I can't remember. Well, one of you two guys. Jointly. But, um, yeah, and that was... And I was very impressed with it then. Yeah, it's superb. Superb. What do you think, Josh? Uh, yeah, I agree. I've never had it before, even though I do like ale. Uh, but yeah, I think it's really, really nice. Smooth, delicious. So we're going to spend uh, the rest of the day in here then? Mm. I've got a confession. We've we've actually got a sneaky barrel of it. But I think actually it's pretty good trading, Andrew, because we've got... I mean, in the evenings here, we have probably 10 lads. Don't we? The guys in the lab, the guys in the site. And at the end of the day, it's really nice on wine to just have a beer. You know, it's 8 o'clock in the evening, just one before you go home. Maybe yeah. one and a half. Um, he only does half days. <laughs> <laughs> but no, between us, we, I mean, we, we rattled through a barrel really quickly. Yeah, that's the point, isn't it? And yeah, so the, the maths are, how many days did the barrel last? Oops. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think this, this barrel won't last very long at all. I don't think it's going to make it Saturday. No. Because I think it's... Uh, I mean, it, it, I think on a weekly basis, we are going to have... A barrel of beer at Aylsham, um, you know, brand new customers only. <laughs> no, it, you know, it's it, the lads outside um, and and us hardworking grain traders. It, it is a good way to unwind. It's a sort of traditional thing. And Mur- Murray Ferguson talked about camaraderie of people, you know, years ago on farms. If you can't have a have a, a bit of a chat and a laugh after a, a harvest day, when can you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's quite nice if people bring a sample in. They could. Uh, uh, they can have a beer. Yeah. I, I wonder if this. Four pound a point. I wonder if this Moongazer beer could taste even better if it wasn't made with Marisotta. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good can of worms. Nice rye. No, it was. It's, it obviously is a vital ingredient in that pint. I'm prepared to support my local comrades in arms. So don't listen to Ben. I'd, I'd still. This is a. Very good beer, but I'm not sure if it knocks Adams off my top spot. It's up there. What, Southwold? Yeah, Southwold. I love Southwold. Mm. Oh, it's cute. (laughs) That is my favourite beer. Uh, So we'll get a barrel of that next week, I think. Or we should get a barrel of that next week. As long as maybe you can tuck his shirt in before, because I'm just (laughs) seeing a bit of a tyre there, and it's putting me off a bit now. (laughs) Well, that's where most of the 70 pints went. Any excuse. Um, We have our end-of-season finale do in-house which is great with us but I think there's maybe cause and I think a lot of people will need it unfortunately but cause to have a barrel or two here and mm. just have a, an open invitation be like right six o'clock finale kind of 
Yeah, farmer do and kick the tires with people. And well, if, if you listen to the podcast, you're aware this is going on. You know, if there's a, if there's a big queue and lots and lots of vehicles, there's only one barrel that'll be gone very shortly. But you know, it is certainly when it, it well, there's no Altam show this year. There's no line we can draw under it. So at the end of the time, yeah, sure, well, why not? We'll get a few barrels in. Perhaps in the meantime, we'll just have barrels anyway on a on a daily basis, um, one a week. Kind of it certainly lifts morale, and it's the lads outside like it, don't they? Mm. And I, I do always feel that a pint of beer, given that we are majoring in malting barley, or we we love malting barley, it's a, and it kind of makes it taste better at harvest. Oh, it's our job, isn't it? Yeah. We've got to support the industry. Yeah. All others around are failing. Doing grain are doing their bit. Now you know. I, I hope you've enjoyed our little uh, pr- impromptu uh, beer. Beer drinking, I mean tasting session. Um, I just with with the benefit. This is the last uh, that last week that Murray Ferguson's been on, and the the pearls of wisdom that he gives, and and the, the conversation I had with him about camaraderie, about people you know hanging together at harvest time, building stacks in those days. And uh, uh, my friend Scott Welcome had to look on the internet what a stack was, just just so you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's you know I think it's a fair point to say that harvest is a very special time. Uh, right, grain traders need it to happen in order to have a job but it is a very special time where lots of people put lots of hours in and, and there is a camaraderie that I think mm. yeah a beer finishes it off so yeah. cheers lads cheers yeah. cheers thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours the Mutimer family have been rearing pigs outdoors since 1973 and in recent years have developed Swannington Farm to Fork into a multi-award winning rural business. The animals are reared to the highest welfare standards and are fully recognised by schemes such as the RSPCA's Freedom Food Scheme and the Red Tractor Assurance Scheme. The pigs thrive on grass-covered sandy soil, while sheep and beef cattle graze the beautifully environmentally sensitive meadows of Swannington Beck. Swannington Farm to Fork is a multi-award winning wholesale butchers and farm shop who specialise in supplying fully traceable meat with the emphasis on quality, taste, animal welfare and food miles to pubs, restaurants, hotels, cafes, colleges, hospitals and the public. In September 2019, Farm to Fork won the Eat Norfolk Food and Drink Field to Fork Award with the judges being impressed with the sustainability of Swannington Farm to Fork and explaining how the business is producing an outstanding product and has a vision for the future with very impressive environmental credentials as well as having good links to the community. For more information, visit their website, swanningtonfarmtofork.co.uk. So now it's time for the third and final part of Murray Ferguson. I think it's very good that doing grain... Oh, this is a good plug. <laughs> is, ...is independent... I, I shall I pay you the money now for that comment? That was that <laughs> no, no, no. big card I held up. <laughs> come, come, when I can go into the office, I have another cup, cup of coffee. <laughs> but um, mm. no, I think we've got to stick together and try to hang on to the independence for as long as possible. The trouble for the independence is the size of the companies you're competing with. There was a, mm. a, an announcement that a company called Safitra, who are owned by Baywa, have just taken on a, a Kent. Mm. trader i don't know much yeah. about the firm he's taken on because I'm, I'm not from kent but it's another one bites the dust and yeah. you know as an independent you have to consider 
you know, how, how strong mm. are you? How, what yeah. can you stand? If, if a squeeze is put onto the market by people who own the bulk of consumption, is there a place for you to live amongst it? You You're know? in trouble. Well, you've I, got, I, you've got to specialise. Uh, do you know what? I, well, you've got to do something which other people can't. Harry Burton's words are ringing true. Malting barley. Yeah. I live in the place where malting barley will be grown. Yeah. And I will produce perfect distilling barley yeah. with the farmers I have in my net. Yeah. Yes. So the trick is I've got to keep... That's the trick for any small merchant mm-hmm. is to have a group of farmers who grow yeah. in a group for you. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think it's that niche that will be the backbone of our business. Mm. Yeah. But I, I also think that... that um, just looking ahead, that the UK will have much less production soon. Hmm. There's got to be a price penalty or whatever for, for not being able to export it easily to the people yes. that usually buy it, which yeah. we can't just grow feed wheat and sell it to the Dutch anymore. Yeah. I might be wrong. We might do a deal hmm. with the Europeans. They might they might realise that, in fact, we are superior and therefore yeah. they should surrender and just buy our stuff and, and behave themselves. But I, I doubt it because yeah. I think they're a bit fed up with us. And um, so we're going to end up with a very tight... Supply and demand. Yeah, yeah. And that tightness will mean that specific products will be a little nervous about supply. They want yeah. to guarantee. Yeah. And because of the, the data of, you know, this farm always produces low nitrogen malting barley. Yeah. So this is a farm that you will see low nitrogen malting barley grown on it. That data is available. We've, we know who grows it. Yeah. So if, if someone said, we want to have a group of people that specifically supply our product yeah. our whiskey yeah. our whatever we could say right we'll have those yeah. 12 people they will produce enough for you yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I think that's it's about the farmer understanding that he will end up signing up to a very long-term contract mm. in return for a kind of a bit more control over over where yes. the price is yeah. the danger is that it, it ends up in too few hands mm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I don't I wish I knew how to. Life is all well, about, you know, thing. You make a decision. You might be right. You might be wrong. But it's no, you're quite right because I mean, this farm is two hundred or two hundred twenty odd acres, which is now a small holding, you know, and it'll be gobbled up by a neighbour to add to his large collection, which socially is bad. Mm, I agree, and. Uh, that that is going to be the trouble, the larger the farmers gobbling. It's, It'll become more difficult now. They're stopping the payment mm. by the system they have been doing. Um, they'll have to pay a bit more attention, I think. To yeah, efficient, efficiency is one thing. Bigger and bigger tractors is another thing, and the bigger farmers, yeah, they've had an advantage for a period of mm. time. Depending on what government does, I suspect yeah. there will be lots of niches that people can perhaps yes. carve out an opportunity to mm. remain independent yes. or outsource the farming whilst maintaining the opportunity to do other things on the farm. Yes. You know, yeah. pe- people, perhaps this lockdown, this whole pandemic thing is not going to go away in a hurry. You're yeah. not going to just suddenly get a cure and everybody's mm. fine again because there'll be another one that comes out. Yeah. Um, the world has got too many people in it, and everyone travels everywhere. Yes. And it's it, it yeah. was it was a, yeah. a, an accident waiting to happen. Mm. Yeah. So, the buildings outside here with fast fibre broadband when it arrives in two thousand five hundred and twenty, mm. whenever yes. the government get around yeah. to doing it, that this will be a place they'd prefer to work than central London. Yeah. 
because central London has lost lots of its appeal and yes. people's lifestyle. I think yes. people have really looked at that. I think the opportunities for where you're located is are actually greater than people mm. realise. Yes, yes. It doesn't really matter with all the modern internets and whatnot mm. where you are. No. I mean, Rob, our son, you know, he runs his company from Hazara. Mm-hmm. It's an international outfit now. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, like, he's he's in IT, is he? What's his? Yes, he's. Um, the, he he was in real Africa, doing holidays, but he's now heavily involved in conservation, Africa, Africa okay. lions, tigers, you name it, and. Uh, he now trades with explorers against extinction because he's been a great traveller in his life and has been all over the place. And uh, he's very much into uh, producing quite a lot of money for uh, various um, schemes in, Afri- in Africa, wow. largely. Do you think he'll keep the farm? Yes. Great. Yeah. That's yeah. really good news. Yeah. And do you think... I mean, there's, there's some other independent-minded types around here with... Mm-hmm with what's about to happen next, land prices might have a bit of an off period. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably still some money to be spent by farmers. Yes. But there's a lot of London types who are really looking mm. at changing now. Yes, yeah. We have houses to sell in, in Munsley. We've sold four houses in a week. Mm. That's partly due to Rishi Shunak taking a stamp duty off. They're all from southern England, London, stroke yeah. Essex. Yeah. Every yeah. one of the buyers. Mm. Yeah. And I think London prices are going to go down, yeah. which will be the headline. I think they will. But yes. I don't think Norfolk prices, they haven't no, moved. No, I think they weren't because, it, I mean, damn it, Norfolk is very close to London, isn't it? Well, relatively, but if, if you want to go there, you can get there in the morning, yes. Well, that's right. You can just drive down there, mm. which you certainly couldn't when I arrived in Norfolk. <laughs> The A11, you went through the middle of Attleborough too, right? The middle of Wyndham, the middle of Attleborough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Overtaking was a bonus. Yeah, I I can remember most of that. But, uh, no, I think um, there'll be much more cooperation between smaller farmers than there is now. Do you think, you don't think they'll just outsource the land to the big boys, have their conservation bits and make sure they keep owning it? I hope not. Because farming is basically a very, very interesting thing to do. Um, you've got wildlife all around you. Mm. And if you live long enough, you can see long-term changes happening in the wildlife, which I, being interested in, it, certainly notice the change in the short time I've been farming in Norfolk. In the wildlife... The insect world in particular has changed a lot. And uh, there's a lot more, if, if, if you're interested, there's a lot more to farming than just farming because there's another world going on, on the farm, which mm-hmm. is very interesting to know about. Yeah, you're talking about, you know, walking down the side of a field and spotting something yeah. and then... Yeah actually going into the detail of what's occurring there. Yes, what's going on. Yeah. If you just sit down on the bank quietly, which most people can't do nowadays, they've got to keep talking and rattling around and putting <laughs> sweets out and that sort of thing. Just sit there quietly, just keeping your eyes open and your ears open, just watching what's going on. It is very surprising what is going on. Well, 
I mean, what, what that conjures an image. I, I can relate to that because I was, you know, country boy and all that. And I, I try to instill that in any young person. That's right. The ones especially, this is this is yeah. my favourite mm. observation of young people today, is they're in a place where they could be experiencing life, yes, yes. but they pick up a little portal mm. and yeah. then they dive into the portal, That's which right. is made of, yes. you know, various yes. uh, bits of metal and whatever, and they and they swim around in a world completely different yes. to where they're sitting and they, they miss yes. life. Yes. They live inside an artificial handset yes. and and they're absorbed yeah. wholly by it yeah. and controlled wholly by it they have no idea how much control of their life they've given away no, no they, they miss it they no. miss mm. it's my pet thing with harvard students you know they, they that out comes that phone yeah. and yeah. we have we have banned periods you're not put that there put that down do not go anywhere near it you have a lunchtime checkup yeah. Yeah. but you are here to work if you have that on you will not be working no. you will be yeah yeah you know, right. finding yeah. out how someone is. Yeah. Well, the, the in, most interesting chap on the farm, he used to come here several, well, several times, I suppose, in my career. Old Ellis, yeah, Ellis. Okay. And um, Ted, Ted Ellis. Ted Ellis, yeah. that's right. He is the one that taught me, because you'll be walking along with him down a track or something, and he'd suddenly stop and bend down and peer into the grass and point something out. And uh, he is the one that really woke me up to what is going on on the farm, which you're totally unaware of. And uh, he was a fascinating chap. So so organic does kind of suit your ethos, doesn't it? But it doesn't, you're not, you've got the, the wild oat experience, we're going back to that, but is there a happy medium in there somewhere? Yes, there will be, Yes. Will be is how many you know? There's we're we're struggling to find our place, aren't we? With that, we are really yes. We world food supply tricky. I mean, people don't realise how close the edge we are. All we really need is another big Mount St Helens or Vesuvius to go off, which is due any time mm. to cut down photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. which everything depends, 2%, 3%, not going to do the world food supply much good. Well, this is, man, um, the, the one in North Africa, was it Helena? The, mm. the one that yeah. in 83 mm. or 4 went off, yeah. Yeah. and 85 and 87 harvests mm. were dire. Yeah. Rain-infested, mm. cloudy, yeah. and you're right that the crops simply never got the sunshine because yeah. yeah. the whole of the northern hemisphere had this swirling ash cloud. Yeah. I mean, if, if Vesuvius went off, the, the Vesuvius, the little mm. bit that yeah. sticks above the ground, mm. you're talking about if Vesuvius, the whole basin of Naples, because that oh, is a yeah, yes. no, but it's a, it is a, a, a massive volcano. Yes. Yeah, as yeah. is the one at Yellowstone, isn't yes, it? Quite. If, if either of those blow off. Which they are. I mean, there's funnily enough, there was a program the other day on Vesuvius, and they were, last time it went off for a minor eruption was 1948, I think they said, and I can remember that. But um, they're far more frightened of Vesuvius than they are Etna, which is blowing off all the time on mm. Sicily, because that lets off steam virtually every day on one of its craters. Yeah. 
with Vesuvius sits there and the whole of the area is slowly going up. Mm. There is something happening there. And, you know, we think an awful lot of ourselves, but <laughs> nature couldn't care a bugger about us. Well, no, that's kind of, you know, you kind of <laughs> want it to happen to somebody else, don't you? But the reality is when, when oh, something oh, yes. like that occurs, yeah, you're not going to be... It's not no, gonna... people have got... Well, I think they're beginning to realise now how very small... The, the world is. Mm. And the fact that something happens in China which upsets the atmosphere mm. is very, 12 hours later is going to be not so good for you. Well, Ch- Chernobyl occurred, didn't it? And, yeah. you know, the, the dynamic, the, the hiding of the, of the facts yeah. and the, the swirl of uh, radioactive material was discovered on, you know, on, on, in the Peak District. Right. And so everybody knew mm. and they had proof that. Yeah. And, that and in the end, there, there had to be an admission mm. that, oops, you know, actually, when we're struggling to stop this thing coring into yeah, the Earth's right. centre. Yeah, that's right. In farming, you do the best you can and the best you know of, and you call in all the aid you can and need. But you must never, ever forget that nature is the ultimate boss. And if you can't accept that, don't farm. It's as simple as that, because you go to an early grave worrying yourself about something you can't, <laughs> can't even begin to do anything about. I could, uh, I could write a book on people worrying themselves to death. I had a wonderful conversation with a farmer this week, and this guy is in his 50s like mm-hmm. I am, and I've known him you know, often. I don't know him well. We've just I've Periodically, over, over the decades, I've traded with him, not traded yeah. with him, whatever. And we just had a conversation about barley the other day, about going combining, and mm-hmm. just, I just said, look, this is going to be, this is going to be a difficult harvest. You could, if you take that on the chin now, now you kind of know it's going to be sunny tomorrow but it never is and it's just all these things are wrong the price is wrong the oversupply is wrong the, the weather has been wrong and he said oh in my youth i used to really get uptight about it i used to get very angry with people he said and gradually as the years have gone I said, you know what he said i kind of i kind of know it's going to be difficult this year and yeah I, there's nothing I can do about it. No, that's right. So again, you know, yeah. I thought I feel the same way. I used to be really yes. intense about some yeah. things, yeah. and and this is just going to be difficult. And if yes. anyone gets uptight about it, what are they getting uptight about? Mm. Me, the the facts, or you know, reality is mm. it is what it is. Yeah, that's right. It's life. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be a good year, won't there? Last year oh, was a good year. So. Yes, this absolutely. year, this year will be not such a good year. Yeah, that's right. Yes. But yeah. um, all you can do is try and guess, and oh, get, yes. and get it yes. right. Yes. Sometimes you get it right, and sometimes you get it wrong. And do you ever brag about? Yeah, I sold mine at the top. No. <laughs> No. Because otherwise you then have to admit to selling it at the bottom the next year when you got it wrong. <laughs> People like that never sell at the bottom. <laughs> no, that's true. And their yields are always one bit higher than yours. Yeah, no. Oh, yes, yes. Pub <laughs> yields and proper yields are completely different. <laughs> ah. Do you know what, Murray? One of the very clear observations of your life post-school, even your story of going past the bomb in Sheffield and your life post-school is a lesson in modesty. You, you call things interesting. The, the things that other people, you know, you've alluded to and you can't go into detail and I appreciate that. And we had a great conversation offline, I'll add. It's a lesson in modesty. All you all you young loud clanging symbols out there need to listen to this podcast and understand the dynamic of understatement because it's way bigger than anything you're going to do. It's, yeah. it's you know, you're a very modest person. People I, are always startled with things I've done. Well, I, I did the Cresta Run for several years. The Cresta Run? Yes. 
Sundet. Then uh, I teamed up with a Dutchman, Dutch Hank von Salinger, a nice chap. Hank. And, uh, he sounds really tall and blonde and kind of like all the women loved he was, him. He was a super chap, yes, and he, we got to know each other very well. So I do the crest around in the morning. As you do. And I join up after lunch in, in the, the, ba- the bar and the hotel, wherever it is. And uh, we'd do the bob run in the afternoon. And we became known as the Anglo-Dutch team. <laughs> <laughs> We weren't particularly good, but we weren't particularly bad. And if we'd had a slightly more modern toboggan than the one they gave us to run on, we, we'd have done a bit better. But uh, it was enormous fun. And uh, well, you, I mean, the lunchtime session in the bar, one assumes you had a few beers in that before your afternoon run, or was it? Yes, was it... well, uh, yes, it doesn't sound as good as it does in the UK because. European beer, I mean, it's, it's just Euro fizz, isn't it? <laughs> That's I, exactly I, the I, phrase I, I use. <laughs> it's exactly a Euro fizz, is it? <laughs> well, one of the one of I'm going to say this out loud. I've, I don't think I've said it on the podcast before. One of the benefits of um, running a grain store is you know exactly what people's yields are, and to a large degree, you know exactly what seeds you sold them, and you know the area they've drilled it on. Yeah. So you know they yield. <laughs> yes, quite. And yeah. what you have to do is you have to go. Oh, that's really that's really good. You say. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And think doesn't add up the same as mine. But maybe no, maybe I missed. No, maybe no. I missed, There was yes. too many fields there or something. No, it's the old North. Hold hold your noise, boar. Hold your noise. <laughs> Which is exactly right. Yeah. That is. That's what you know. It's like getting advice from a guy about what I should do with the, uh, the estate up in Munsley. You know, it's, it's, yeah. I, I get told off by some of the people who come from other parts of the country. But there's a big tendency for people to tell us what we should be doing oh, and how yeah. we should be doing it. And the best thing to do is nod your head and go, "Oh, I never thought of that. That's a, that's a good mm-hmm. idea. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll remember that and carry on doing it." Absolutely. <laughs> yes. No. Absolutely. As opposed to have a hell up and say, "No, I'm not doing it like that. You don't know what you're talking about. It's just not worth yeah. it, is it?" No. Just get on playing your own furrow. <laughs> <laughs> and Murray, you know, for the marathon session we've just been through, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewandgrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio.